shadow work is the inner work of facing your demons. It's asking yourself why you are the way you are. It's the spiritual and psychological work of dealing with your shit. Hello, Bella. <clears throat> Hello everyone and welcome back to Becoming a Beauty Witch, formerly known as The Beauty Witch Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you guys today about shadow work. This is the first episode in a two-part um, series. Is it really a series if it's only two parts? Um, this is part one and in this part of the series, if in this episode, we're going to uncover the why and the when to do shadow work and the what. And what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we're going to be doing um, what, when, and why. And then, and I guess maybe who. And then, um, next week, we're going to cover the how and the, in and, and that, the how. Oh. Tuna, why are you walking on spark plug? Did you just hear those sad little peeps? That was my dog crying because he was getting stepped on by his grandmother. Anyway, okay. Um, this is the third time I have recorded this podcast. This is the third time. So we are hopefully going to get it done. Like, I don't ha- I've been late in this podcast episode because I've recorded it so many times and it's been garbage. And the reason it's been garbage so, (laughs) so much, so many times it's been, it's been a garbage fire is because this episode is so messy. Um, I like, I, uh, that's going to stay in. I'm not editing that out, but, um, I talk a lot about mental health in this episode, and I'm not the best or most eloquent person. I, uh, so this is a trigger warning. That's what this beginning of this part of this episode is. Um, I talk a lot about, like, messy things. I talk about a lot, I talk a lot about things that I don't have direct experience with that I am empathetic towards, but I can't directly say, like, I experienced this, like, um, specific types of ancestral trauma and things like that. I don't go into detail, but I do give examples of how I think you could use shadow work to work with that kind of stuff. And so I just want you, listener, to understand that I'm a messy person. I'm, like, I, there's no such thing as being unproblematic. Like, that's the reason why I've had to record this podcast now three times, because, I would rewatch the episode while I was editing and it would be like, oh no, like you can't say that. Like that's awful. Like stop. Because I just am very messy. So this time I'm not going to, I'm not going to delete it because I have deleted all the footage from the last ones because it was just all bad. And it was always like both of the previous times I did this was also like two in the morning and now it's like noon. So hopefully that helps. Um, But this is a trigger warning. I want you to know that if you are somebody who gets triggered by um, even just the mention of things like depression, eating disorders, suicide, self-harm, addiction, um, or just the word trauma in general, please listen with care. Um, There's no shame in stopping the podcast when you need to, coming back to it. In fact, actually, if, if you're somebody that could potentially be triggered by that, I highly suggest reading the blog post that accompanies this episode instead of listening. Uh, the best part is that you can come back to it whenever you're ready because and you don't have to remember timestamps and things like that. Um, yes, there is a blog post that accompanies all of my episodes and it's not a transcript, but it is like basically my script. So if you see me looking down, it's because I'm looking at the blog post um, to help me with the podcast. So before we jump in, I do want to mention why I've changed the name of the podcast. I, like I said, I'm not eloquent. I'm a messy person. I don't personally believe that I'm experienced enough to teach about being a beauty witch. So instead, I want to chronicle my journey into becoming a beauty witch. Um, so a lot of the episodes right now, I feel like you're catching up to my current state. Like I'm going to teach you about what shadow work is and how to do it. I've been doing it for at least a year. So like, 
I guess my point is eventually I want to get to the part where I'm, instead of discussing things I've already learned, I'm discussing things I'm currently learning and we can dive into the journey and be messy together. I want to like make a lot of space for mistakes um, because being afraid of making mistakes or being afraid of like having those mistakes be public has been a major source of fear for me when it comes to like making content. I'm so afraid of controversy. I'm so afraid of confrontation that I would just choose not to post, even if the post is like technically interesting. So I want to like say, screw that fear. I want to post what I want to post, but I guess changing the name makes almost a disclaimer that like, yeah, I could totally be wrong about this, but it doesn't matter because we're learning together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so welcome to my, I guess, new podcast. So we're going to dive right on in into the Shadow Work podcast. And originally I wanted to call this episode why self-care really sucks because shadow work is a very integral part of self-care it is changing yourself it is um dealing with your shit basically and it's a form of self-care but it is literally the suckiest kind like confronting your inner demons and like bringing to light parts of yourself that you have a ton of shame around is not easy it's very hard it takes it's exhausting like let me tell you it is exhausting constantly confronting these things in yourself Um, But it truly is a form of self-care because it's a form of uh, evolution. And so that's why I wanted to call it when self-care really sucks. So, yeah, I just like a little factoid for you. So let's talk about what shadow work even is. I'm sure you've heard that phrase be used multiple times, like many, many times in the witchy space. Shadow work, shadow side, shadow self, those kind of terms go around all the time. But I feel like... Like, especially on Instagram, since it's, like, small captions and usually accompanied by, like, a vague picture um, or a picture of, like, a very beautiful picture of a person embracing themselves, it's hard to wrap your head around what shadow work is. Also, because when people mention shadow work or post about their personal journey with shadow work, it's after they have gotten... not. There's no such thing as completing shadow work, but it's after you've gotten comfortable enough with it that you are now friends with your demon and you can you can directly talk about it in a very self-aware way you you have become um in a sense healed from it so it it makes it even harder to understand because if I see a beautiful picture of somebody embracing their body as it is and they talk about doing the shadow work around internalized fat phobia and um like an eating disorder and things like that you're just seeing the result. You're not seeing the work that goes into it, so you don't actually know what the shadow work was. You can probably get a semblance that maybe it had to do with, um, like, learning to love your their body, their body as it currently was, learning to eat better in not a disordered way, things like that. But, like, there's, there's no breakdown of, like, this was literally what I did. <clears throat> so I'm going to try and help you here in these next two episodes so that way you can start a shadow work practice because I find shadow work is also like the majority of the witchcraft I do. I don't really do a lot of manifestation work because I really suck at it. So as we dive deep, like get more and more episodes under our belt together, um, we're gonna, were, as in you're gonna watch me figure out how the hell to manifest things because I really suck at that. Um, shadow work is super easy for me. I have six planets in Scorpio. Um, A lot of the personal planets I have are in Scorpio. My Pluto is in Scorpio. So, like, and also I was born under the new moon um, and Mercury retrograde. So, like, I'm totally in my element right now. But, so, like, uncovering things that are traditionally in the dark is very much a part of my persona. I love, like, uh, mysteries. I love, like, uh, true crime, if you want to keep it superficial. I'm not afraid to dive deep into trauma. I'm not afraid to dive into like things that others or that society deems as shameful like I'll totally think about that kind of stuff and confront myself I'm also not afraid of being controversial to myself and calling myself out that I'm not afraid of I'm I will be honest I'm very much afraid of that coming from outside sources like that is definitely something I have to do shadow work around 
Also, I'm just staring out my window. I, I realize I've been like looking at my tree this whole time I've been talking to you instead of to you. I'm sorry. I'll try and actually face you. If you're listening to this audio, you're like, I don't care. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, do, doing shadow work is easy for me. So, that's why I'm excited to talk to you about this. I first learned what shadow work was from a YouTuber called Jessie Huttenberg. I have linked her website and her YouTube channel in the down bar and in my show notes. Um, she's awesome. She was one of the very first YouTubers, which YouTubers I found on the internet. I have loved her since. I love the way she embraces imperfection. She embraces the mundane and turns it into something magical. I love the way she does tarot. I have frequently bought tarot readings from her. Um, I love, like, I love who she is online. I highly suggest you follow her if you don't already. And she is the one that not taught me, but had, because, like, I had to learn a lot of it myself. Like, I don't, I haven't had a teacher, if that makes sense, or a mentor. But she is definitely one of the first instances of me learning about shadow work is through her content. And so, I wanted to shout her out. The definition I use is one I made up. I don't know what her, like definition is. I don't think I've ever gotten a written definition from anybody, but I do want to give her a shout out that like, I didn't invent shadow work. I am not the source or the teacher. Like, goat. <laughs> there are people who have amazing resources on it. So my specific definition for what shadow work is, is this. I believe shadow work is the inner work of facing your demons. It's asking yourself why you are the way you are, and then also having the courage to actively work against detrimental behaviors, beliefs, and biases, while also embracing the hidden or shamed parts of yourself. It's the spiritual and psychological work of dealing with your shit. And yes, it's just as overwhelming as it sounds. So if we think about self-care, which is different from shadow work because it's sort of like the umbrella... See umbrella and shadow work is just one thing that falls under self-care. Um, self-care is really about becoming your own parent. It's about learning to serve yourself in a way that is healthy and beneficial to who you are to make you a better person for society and for life, you know? Um, it's creating healthy coping mechanisms, um, creating healthy habits, things like that. So, self, so shadow work helps the self-care like your inner parent by saying okay we need better coping mechanisms because right now our current coping mechanism is self-harm or something like that and it's being self-aware enough to know that you need to change it and at its best self-care can be super fun like coming up with a really fun skincare routine and going and buying a bunch of new products to make your skin look really nice but at its worst it can be really frustrating and scary being your own parent like when you have to call the dentist because you think you have a cavity but you don't even know how to like do your dental insurance and your actual mom isn't around because she lives like a bunch of states away and or she's like on a cruise um and you can't call her and ask her like how to find your dental insurance on your health insurance card and like what if it's two separate cards and and then you have to like just face going to the dentist which is actually awful um that's scary (laughs) I can relate to that. Well, is that a little too uh, specific? I don't know. Um, But so that's like the worst of like general self-parenting. But the worst, worst, what's even worse than that is the shadow work. Because what it does is it makes you relive old traumatic experiences or like literally confront shame that you have in you or even in your ancestral memory, which is even more terrifying, um, and figure out the why and uh, like, break down the how, like, how it's affecting you right now, so that way you can get over it, basically, and heal yourself. I think everybody deserves and should do shadow work, and what I mean by deserve is I believe everybody deserves the healing that comes from shadow work. It is incredibly healing, um, like, it's great. (laughs) Like, it's, I, I'm, I'm roasting it right now, but I think it's, like, something amazing. And the best part about shadow work is that it goes by another name frequently outside of the witchy space, and that is therapy. Um, Literally, shadow work is, like, therapy. Like, literally. Except when you do it with your spiritual practice, it's just called shadow work and you do it by yourself. I 
Personally, I think you should combine psychological therapy, if you can afford it and have easy access to it, with personalized shadow work you do in your practice. I think they are a combined have effort to have the best healing um, outcome. Of course, you may not be spiritual, so like you don't do shadow work, or you do do shadow work and it's called homework by your therapist, or you can't afford the therapy option and you have to figure out a way to do it on your own. I do have resources at the at the end of my blog post, I will um, copy and paste that section into the down bar in the show notes, but I do want you to know that it's all there at the blog post as well. And these resources will help people in the United States. I'm sorry, other countries, but the majority of you listening are from the U.S. Um, it will help people in the United States find professional help. I have like personal tips in there, like what I did when I went to therapy, when I could afford it, like how I found my therapist to like the, um, the like, like, uh, what are they called? Hotlines. Is it a hotline? Yeah. Like a bunch of hotline numbers and stuff like that. So I definitely suggest going and looking at that if you are considering therapy, which I think everybody, even if you don't think you have any trauma or any reason to go to therapy, you should go to therapy. Okay, so now that I've mentioned therapy, we have to talk, I I have to talk about the differences, like the line between what to handle in therapy and what you can handle on your own. And of course, this line moves according to who you are as a person and where you are spiritually and psychologically in this moment. But I want to tell you like where I would draw the line for myself so you can sort of draw a line for yourself. Um, Because if you can't afford therapy or you don't have access to it, this line is going to be very important for you because what it does is it breaks down healthy ways I can heal myself and I'm triggering and spiraling because I'm doing what I think is shadow work, but actually it's just triggering myself. So basically what I'm telling you is you need to find your triggers and unless you're working with a therapist or a professional in some sort of sense, you shouldn't go past those triggers um, because it could be worse for you. And I will give you very specific examples of how this, how crossing the boundary um, can trigger something very bad in a moment after I tell you where I would set, where I would, if I was the ruler of the universe, where I would set the boundary. So I believe you should work with a therapist on these specific issues um, instead of doing this on your own. I think you should work with a therapist if you have severe trauma that contributes to PTSD or has triggered other mental illnesses within yourself and you need help um, uncovering that trauma and getting past it. I think you need to find a therapist if you are ending or and or escaping cycles of abuse that you're currently going through or people in living memory are currently going through. I personally think you should talk to a therapist or see a therapist to help you deal with depression um, in general, but especially if that depression has, is accompanied by self-harm or suicidal thoughts. I think you need to talk to a therapist and other professionals if you are dealing with um, disordered eating habits and thoughts. I'm not even talking about just strictly restrictive, just strictly restrictive eating disorder um, habits or thoughts. You like, and I want to focus a lot on the thoughts too. You could technically be average weight and eating a normal amount of calories, but if you have disordered thoughts around eating or disordered thoughts around food that truly affect who you are, you need to talk to a therapist, my love. Um, Please do it. we love you. Um, also, I think you need to talk to a therapist if you suffer from addiction, self-harm, or other severe behaviors that affect your day-to-day life. Now, where I think it is okay to explore on your own without professional help is um, understanding limiting beliefs around money, sex, self-worth, etc. I think that is totally a good place to start when it comes to doing shadow work on your own. Understand where those beliefs stem from. Okay. Um, The next thing I think you can do on your own is changing bad habits, like around biting your nails or being late or sleeping in, or if you have like bad eating habits that are not disordered, um, shadow work around that, it's very easy. Easy is such a bad word. I mean, like you don't need professional help in my personal opinion. I think it is um, 
very much attainable for you to uncover internal biases like um, internalized misogyny, internalized racism, internalized fat phobia or transphobia on your own. You, I don't personally think you need a therapist to uncover and confront those parts of yourself. I think this is where I got real messy in the last episode or the last time I recorded this, so please forgive me. I think it is okay to begin to work on breaking free of ancestral trauma that no one in your current living memory suffer from directly without a therapist. This is my messy part. So, uh, okay. Um, For instance, the example I gave in that episode or that recording was slavery uh, in the United States. If nobody in your current living memory currently suffers from slavery or the direct impact of slavery, I think it's okay to uncover that ancestral trauma and work through it. I said that in my last episode, but unfortunately, like, everyone in living memory still directly suffers from that right now, even if they were never a slave. Like, so I, that's what, that's like an iffy one. I think it's okay to start on your own. But as you work through it, you may find that you may need a therapist for this. Um, One that I would say maybe you should just go directly (laughs) to working um, in therapy on would be something like if you have family members who went through the Holocaust, things like that. You may just need to go to a therapist to talk about that kind of ancestral memory or ancestral trauma And if you're not aware, ancestral trauma is trauma that has been passed down to you from your ancestors. So, like, I'm a white woman, but because I am a woman, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother have all gone through trauma based off of misogyny and systematic things that have directly um, affected me, even if I don't suffer from that trauma personally. Like, the trauma of being forced to bear children because it's what expected of you from society. That directly affects me even if I personally will never be forced to do so because I don't live in A Handmaid's Tale. Um, That's what I mean by ancestral trauma. So this is where like the line moves, I think. I, I definitely feel comfortable in my personal life to break free and access that ancestral trauma on my own, but you may find that it the trauma that your specific family has gone through is way too severe for you to do without professional help. And I want to encourage you to get that professional help, but, and to know yourself. If you think, you know, like I could, I could go through, I could, I could access this now without professional help. I, I think you should. (sighs) I cannot breathe. Um, Okay. So we're going to move on from that bullet point. The next place I think that you could very easily work on on your own without a um, professional help is like committing to better habits like exercising or joyful movement, committing to meditation or skincare routine. That's like very typical self-care and I think a lot of people are already doing that. Um, And then the last place I think is embracing and holding space for parts of yourself you've hidden away due to shame. That is very much like an outcome of regular therapy, but I think starting that process and working on your inner child um, talking to and creating space for internal parts of yourself that you've kept away, confronting shame, I think is very important to do in shadow work. So, um, I like to think of doing shadow work on your own as sort of like doing mini therapy sessions for yourself. It's, I guess my point is like working through things on your own is still just as emotionally hard and just as much work as going to therapy. Um, You may not be, you may have drawn the line for yourself and you may not be working on the severest of issues with yourself, but you're still working on things. Like, I bite my nails um, and that causes, like, I bite my nails, guys. I don't have any underlying trauma that makes me bite my nails. I just do it. I don't know why, but the fact that I don't have beautiful nails is has so much freaking baggage like there's the shame around not having feminine hands which is like ridiculous 
this is the this is the shadow work right like why would why do i need why do i even need feminine looking hands like what kind of shame and internalized misogyny do i have around myself in femininity and then i have like it's disgusting because i literally could get sick or like very ill from biting my fingers because your hands like touch literally everything so then i have to go through like encountering the shame like blame and shame of like every single time i put potentially get sick i blame myself that for this and then there's like the nervous habit of like why am i nervous why do i why do i use this as a coping mechanism like this is all the shadow work and none of it's fun around biting my fucking nails like now just imagine trying to do that around things like like trauma you've gone through in your childhood and things like that so that's why therapy is very much in my opinion needed as a partner to shadow work but um you can do the small stuff on your own so like i feel comfortable doing the biting my nails thing on my own of course if it started to escalate and i found out i did have repressed trauma around it i may want to take it to a therapist but you know what i mean like it's not gonna i'm not gonna trigger myself at this point with it i'm not gonna um like relapse into something while dealing with biting my nails and the best part is like i said earlier you should couple it so like if i could afford afford therapy right now which i can't because american healthcare am i right um (laughs) if i could afford therapy i would literally bring this up to my therapist have them give me homework and then use my own more spiritual side of myself to work on it And we're going to get into, like, why shadow work is spiritual and things like that in the next episode when I detail the how, because I'm going to be giving you practical rituals and stuff you can use. And so right now it sounds very much like therapy-y, not very spiritual, things like that. Um, Because honestly, it's not. You don't have to be a spiritual person to do this, but I am going to take it to the witchy realm next episode. One point, so like here's where I want to get into the specific examples of how you can really negatively impact yourself if you do not get professional help for very severe things. Um, And the best example I have is with an eating disorder. So if you have an eating disorder or just in general disordered thoughts around food and eating, you may want to skip this portion. I do not know how long I'm going to talk about it. but it may not be safe, a safe topic for you. And I want to give you a moment to click away. So have you clicked away yet? Okay. Um, the example I want to give is like, for instance, you suffer from a restrictive eating disorder. So that is like anorexia, um, or any sort of disorder that makes you restrict how much food you eat, um, in general. Or it makes you romanticize restricting food. It may be important for you not to face anything around food without professional help. Anything at all. Even if you feel like it could help you. So let's say that you're doing shadow work around having a better like morning routine or having a better life routine. Like I have a daily routine that I do every day and it it's not meant to be done like at one point in the day. It's just stuff I want to do every day. So that way I, I'm a more functional person. You know what I mean? Some of it has is like chores I want to do. So that way my I can maintain like a clean a cleaner house. Some of it is like skincare and stuff like that. So let's say you're coming up with this daily routine. Setting a goal that has to do with like romanticize only eating one thing or like you know I'll drink a smoothie in the morning and um it's gonna be maybe a lot I put that in quotes because for restrictive eating disorder a lot of calories is not a lot but it's gonna have a lot of calories and it's gonna have a ton of nutrients and that's gonna be my breakfast and my lunch even if like you're watching a bunch of vegan youtubers and they do that and the smoothie is 32 ounces and it does have a lot of protein and a lot of calories like 400 calories isn't going to be enough to sustain you for breakfast and lunch um until dinner and then also if you have a restricted eating disorder like you may not even eat dinner so romanticizing this in the in the guise of self-care is not self-care. It's going to trigger a relapse in you. 
um, it's not good for you. (laughs) So instead of putting any food-related thing in this daily routine you want to set, you shouldn't until you're ready to have meaningful discussion with a professional person. Because even if you know I have a restrictive eating disorder and I need to stop it to get better, until you're ready to talk to professional help, I think it's going to be very hard to stop on your own, depending on how severe the eating disorder is. But like, in my opinion, it's just not worth the potential of relapsing, especially if you're currently recovered. So I just don't suggest doing any I wouldn't suggest if you came to me and said, I have an eating disorder, how do I do shadow work to stop it? I personally, my first thing I would tell you is to go get professional help um, in the best way that you can, um, if you can afford it, and then to try and shift your mindset so you don't think about food, which is like way harder to do in real life. Like that is literally the definition of easier said than done for somebody with any kind of eating disorder. But it just is probably beneficial for you not to do any shadow work around it because you could you could think you're doing yourself a favor, but really you're just relapsing in in the guise of self-care. Trust me, if you are not in a disordered eating mindset, it makes no sense. But when you are like think like there's a lot of like baggage around eating disorders when it comes especially restrictive ones when it comes to like purity and things so i can totally see how romanticizing only eating a little bit of quote-unquote healthy food um like a smoothie could totally relapse somebody so it is not suggested to like that would be a time when you could really hurt yourself doing shadow work on your own where you probably should have done it with a professional. So that was just like an example of where I would draw the line. And like I said, the line should be very specific to you and your um, comfort level and your self-awareness. If you're somebody that, I, like I, wanna, I want to challenge you to get as close to the line as possible in your shadow work, but I also want you to not hurt yourself. And you may find the line moves as you begin to become better at doing shadow work. So we've talked about when to do shadow work and when not to do shadow work. We've talked about in general what it is, but we haven't actually dive dove into the specifics. I mentioned in my definition that it is a mix of uncovering why you are the way you are and then accepting the parts of you that you've hidden away and shamed. And so we're going to get real, real deep and I'm going to give an example of um, something I can relate to and we'll talk about how I would do shadow work to, to do both. So the first part of shadow work is confronting your demons and your demons are the parts of yourself that have been like injected into you from trauma, societal pressures, oppression, um, like personal things that have been said to you, personal beliefs given to you by like how you were raised or maybe religion or things like that. Those are demons. It's things that you, oh, it could also be things like, like that show up in you that you're not sure where they come from, but they are debilitating. Um, A good example would be like depression where you have no recollection of trauma that has caused the depression. I am sure if you've been depressed, you can relate to the idea that, like, I've literally done everything I can do to be happy, and for some reason, I'm just still not happy. Like, that unhappiness or that depression would be a demon in this sense. Even if, like, you have no cause. So, this is the shadow work that a lot of people do, is they confront the demons. And what that would mean is you directly call out yourself. So we're going to jump into the example now because it's, I feel like, the easiest way for me to talk about it. I'm a white woman. Um, I directly benefit from white privilege, right? Especially in America. So in the last, like, two-ish years, I've been working on internalized racism and bigotry on myself. Because as somebody who directly benefits from white privilege, um, like it's even if I I was not raised to be like I'm gonna have inner racism and inner bigotry that 
that I've been, I've learned because of my benefits I get from white privilege. Like, it's just, I don't want to say natural, but it is um, very apparent that when you are benefiting from a system, you're not going to want that system to go away. And so I had never done any work around this potential side of myself. I had buried it deep in the guise of being a feminist. Um, but at the same time, I would think like reverse racism was real and stuff like that. So I've done a lot of inner work around this so that way I can heal it because I don't want to be that way. I don't want to have internalized racism. I think it is a sickness brought on people to divide people and things like that. Um, I'm sure you you were the whole episode I did where I talked about being like a spiritual orphan was honestly just like a big chunk of shadow work so you got to really hear me talk about how like my even my ancestors and family did everything they could to benefit from the system so I have a lot working against me internally even if like consciously I wouldn't say anything racist or I would view myself as someone who wasn't racist the fact that I had come from a system and a line of family that had done everything they could to uphold this racist system in and of itself made me racist so I didn't want to do that anymore I would rather give that all up well now I would um after doing all the shadow work I'd rather give all that up and become a part of the oppressed class if that meant that the playing field could be more equal um all right I'm getting a little messy so I'm trying to tone it down okay So, if you don't have professional support or you are working on something that you don't think needs professional support. Also, can you hear my dog snoring? My dogs are very asleep. That is just a pile of dogs. Can you see them? You can't even see their cuteness. And I can't reach my camera to, like, make it look cute. Anyway, so if you're working on something that you can't afford therapy for, but you feel comfortable working on yourself with it, or you're doing something that you don't really think you need therapy for, like, I personally don't think I need a therapist to talk me through anti-racism. Also, especially if that therapist isn't aware, like, there's just a lot of baggage around anti-racism in general. Like, I think every white person needs to do it. And unless I picked a therapist whose specialty was helping white people do that or they had done it themselves, like, it would have been very hard to do with the therapist because then it, it, assuming my therapist was white, I probably wouldn't want to, I don't know, therapists get paid for emotional labor. I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting messy. I'm getting messy. I'm trying to tone it down. Okay. So what I did was I began finding resources to help me with my anti-racism work um and honestly the only way I knew I wanted to do this is because the resources brought themselves to me I had already followed a lot of feminist um like social media people and then that's where I learned a lot about like what a womanist is and things like that And so I knew that this was work I wanted to do. And so then I looked for a bunch of resources. I found Layla Sad's Me and White Supremacy Challenge. At that time, it had been like a social media challenge where you went on her Instagram and you did the work by commenting on the post. I did that. And then I did, I've made very specific outward changes to help me work on it. I focused a lot on finding, um, a diverse set of voices to listen to on social media instead of um, just strictly white people and then maybe a token black person or like a token trans person. I did a lot of work on finding a very diverse set of people that I truly felt like I could support and actually like and not just tokenize. So that way I could say, I'm the racist, you know what I mean? And so, um, I did that. I looked for ways to financially benefit people who have been oppressed, like Native American people, um, obviously black people, and other indigenous people across the globe. Um, I did a lot of work on teaching people I loved that I was going through this work and helping confront them. A huge part of my demon confronting was literally confronting people. I've already mentioned I have a huge fear of confrontation, so hearing somebody I love, like my boyfriend or my mom, say something that 
they don't mean to be racist, but it's just real racist to say and telling them you sound like a racist right now was very hard to do, but I have learned to do it. Um, and now I do it very frequently and to people that I don't really know well, which I'm proud of myself for because I can't confront people on anything else. Like even talking to people about like, like what music I like. I can't do that because I'm afraid I'm going to like a type of music they don't like. Like, And yeah, so I did that. And then there was a lot of internal work I had to do. So like this whole confronting demons thing took up a bunch of energy. So then I had to do things like anytime I had any kind of thought or I did an action, I asked myself, how does this come across? Are you benefiting from white privilege now? I would check myself. Anytime I would interact with somebody who wasn't white, I would ask myself like, are you being, like, are your actions right now directly affecting them because of racism? Like, how, even if you're, that's not your intentions, like, like, intentions aside, right? Intentions aside, I just wanted to see, like, what are your outcomes? Like, if you did the, like, what would, what would it be like? I tried to empathize as much as possible, and then I also tried to do things like change, directly change my spiritual practice, so I did not culturally appropriate from um, Native Americans or other indigenous groups that I didn't have any claim to, because that in and of itself was a huge part of dismantling racism within me, because I come from a long line of colonizers, so by taking their spiritual practices in my own, even if I did all of this work around not outwardly projecting myself as racist, it basically threw all that work away because then I'm still saying, oh yeah, like I may tell everybody to go buy Me and White Supremacy by Layla Saad and like tell people that they're being really racist, but I'm still gonna colonize your spirituality and say it's my own, you know what I mean? So like all of this was all about confronting myself so that way I could pull because I like I said I believe like all these demons we have in ourselves are like a sickness like something that's been injected in ourselves by society or just some outward force even if it's like that depression we had talked about a few minutes earlier that is has no cause I still feel like it's been injected in us so I wanted to pull that sickness out of me I didn't want to be infected with it anymore and so I had to look in all places of my life and really ask myself are you gonna are you gonna do it for real or are you gonna half-ass it and we're gonna get even deeper into this discussion in a few episodes. Um, I think the episode after part two, we're going to talk about ethics. I personally believe ethics uh, should be established early in somebody's spiritual practice, which is another reason why I want to talk about it soon. Um, Because it really is what you base your entire practice around, in my opinion. A lot of tarot readers talk about ethics a lot, and I really appreciate that. So shadow work is about eradicating that, and you can do... Like, in a spiritual sense, shadow work would be things like changing how you physically practice to going deep inside and having discussions with your demons, like literally sitting down opposite them and visualizing them as a persona and conversating with them and asking them, like, why are you here? What purpose did you serve? Um, How have you protected me? Because a lot of times demons come from a source of protection. They're either a coping mechanism that you've created to keep yourself safe in your childhood. They're coping mechanisms that your ancestors created to keep their family protected, which is where like maybe my colonialism would come into play. Because of course, at the time we were very Irish, um, like back like years ago, like a century ago, basically, um, or longer actually at this point, because a century ago would have been 1920, like two centuries ago, we were very, very much Irish and we were, um, indentured servants in the Ukraine. And so like my specific family. And so coming to the United States or like the, like, what was it called? New world at that time, we would have definitely wanted to align ourselves with colonizers and completely abandon that identity that had not served us um in the past and so like confronting that demon and saying like thank you for doing that for me but I cannot have you be here anymore like you're no longer serving that purpose because now all that is doing is directly um yeah it's gonna benefit me 
as somebody who benefits from white privilege, but like just me benefiting from it is actually being so detrimental to our current society and world. And so there's, it's not no longer serving a purpose. Um, so confronting that demon. So like if I'm going to go back to nail biting, I would confront my nail biting demon and be like, what purpose do you serve? I'm still in the process of of doing that shadow work. So I don't know. I already did it. Uh, I'm not done with the white privilege thing, but like, I've already had that conversation with that demon, so I know what purpose they've served. I've done the research, and I can learn to confront them every day. And it may take a really long time to say goodbye to the demon. You may never say goodbye to the demon. You may just uh, depromote them to the back seat. But it takes a lot of work. And that's just the confronting the demon part. We haven't even gotten to the 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 fun, the not fun, but like the the good part so then you also have the side of the coin that is bringing to light parts of yourself that you've hidden away so this is like if you want to think about the um linguistics of the word shadow work so shadow can mean talking about talking and having discussions with the parts of yourself that you no longer want the shadows the dark side of yourself that is detrimental to you but it can also mean talking to the parts of yourself you've put in shadow, the shadow side of yourself, the parts that you've hidden away out of shame. And this is the part where a lot of self-care, I really appreciate a lot of the self-care people on the internet in the witchy space because they really bring this home for me. A good example is um, Luna, I don't know how to say her last name, Dietrich? She's Pussy Witch on Instagram. I feel like she does a lot of this kind of shadow work. And that's where you basically hold out your hand for parts of yourself that you've hidden um, for safety reasons or for shameful reasons. I, this is another point where I'm going to get real messy. So a good example of this would be if you have internalized homophobia, but you know you're gay, um, but you have not come out of a closet and you just hide your, your gayness in a corner and tell them like, you're not allowed here. Like, we don't want you you're not interested, we're not interested in you, stay there, we hate you. So all of that shame, you've just told that part of yourself that you've hidden in the corner, doing the shadow work is, all that shame was the demons, is confronting those demons and your internalized homophobia, and then eventually walking your way through the crowd, through all the demons, holding out your hand, grabbing the gay part of you, and walking them out into the light, and then eventually coming out. Um, that would be this kind of shadow work. So like, this is where you would, this is the healing part of it. This is the part that I think everyone deserves to go through is, is learning how to nurture and accept the parts of you that you have shame around. So like with my white, um, privilege shadow work I've been going through, a lot of the shadow work would be embracing like, the fact it like it's getting past white tears and white guilt and saying like yes I may be this way um I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna embrace it and use the fact that I benefit from this system to uphold people I'm gonna use my privilege to benefit people who do not have it and that took a lot of work in and of itself because doing shadow work around white privilege added more shame you should be ashamed of being white you should hate the fact that you're here this way whatever but that's not serving anyone (laughs) that's making my um that was making my privilege worse because then what it says is like you are ashamed of having all this privilege and so instead of doing anything about it you're gonna hide away and so I had to tell myself no you can't hide away it's your duty as a white person to uphold people who do not have this privilege in this current society so that way they can we can all work towards a better future together and so that took a lot of work and it's a a very healing work because there's like I'm not done so like there's still a lot of shame around it and there's still a lot of like white guilt and white tears I have to deal with and constantly do this with um I find that a lot of times people do this work they start doing this healing work around personal things that have to do with their appearance um a lot of like people in like a lot of women i know cis or trans it doesn't matter um go through this 
experience of doing a lot of shadow work around loving their body because they have been given a very specific message that this is the body you need to have and if you don't have it, go away. And so this kind of shadow work is uncovering all that shame around, well, my body doesn't look like a Photoshop Victoria's Secret model, so obviously I'm not worth anything. And then learning to love your body the way it is. That's like the point one to point two, A and B. So that's like the healing part of the shadow work. And it's so moving. This is where I do a lot of the more spiritual side of stuff. Confronting my demons, I find, is way more practical. It's making very specific life choices, everything down to where am I going to buy this? Is this an ethical place to buy this thing? To how am I going to talk to this person? Is Am I talking to this person in a way that is detrimental to who they are as a person? Like, all of that is very practical in the confronting demon space, but the the embracing the parts of yourself that you have hidden away is much more spiritual, um, especially when it comes to things like healing from, like, societal pressures, like fat inner internalized fat phobia and bad body image. It's very moving. A lot of inner child work comes around this, too, because when you, when a lot of times, the person that you're pulling out of the shadows is your inner child. It's 13-year-old self that didn't think you could do the thing, and now you're telling them, like, no. Like, a lot of times it manifests as the part of yourself where you first learn that you should be ashamed of that. Um, so if you first started watching the Victoria's Secret fashion show at 14, like, you may find that in your visualization practice, the person you're pulling out of the shadows is 14-year-old self. Even if it's healing... 26-year-old you. Okay, so we've discussed shadow work. We know what it is. We know that it has two sides to the same coin. We know that it's very hard. We know that sometimes it's going to need physical, not physical, professional help to get through. But when to do it? Like, what do you do now? What are you supposed to do? And my answer is wait for part two. No, um, (laughs) my answer is just jump in. Pick something that is small um, that you feel comfortable working with. I always suggest people pick confronting an internalized bias that has been given to them by society, like white privilege, um, or some like internalized transphobia or something like that. I find that it's very healing for people, and there's a ton of resources online that help people uncover that that um, aren't just witchy, like the uh, um, working with my white privilege, there's like a ton of resources for literally everyone who um, encounters and benefits from white privilege to use on the internet. There's tons of voices that you can listen to. And so that was a very easy place for me to start. Um, and I, I personally don't have any trauma like in my current life around white privilege. So it was, there was no like triggering, there was no reliving of of experiences where that had traumatized me so it was easy to confront because it was something I felt detached from it was a demon I inherited and so I could tell that demon like I don't need you you do not benefit me you might have benefited my ancestors you do not benefit me now go away and like it was easy to confront so I suggest picking something like that you may want to pick something like more specific to you like if you also bite your nails that might be something where you start it could be something that is directly but like affecting you drastically right now that you feel comfortable with not using a therapist for like you're just having a lot of trouble sleeping that might be something that you and you it's affecting your life that might be something you want to do shadow work around if you currently go to a therapist or are very much looking to start you may want to talk to them bring this to them and ask them where you should start that's also very important and so Um, Between now and next week, (laughs) when you listen to part two, I suggest going and buying a journal or you can use the notes app on your phone um, or just having a place like a Word document and establishing a place to do daily journaling. Daily, every day. I think you should journal every day, even if it's like three sentences. I think you should embrace the 14-year-old little girl that you have inside yourself, even if you don't identify as a girl embrace it and get a cute diary that's fussy like fuzzy and purple and has a butterfly on it and a lock like I did in the early 2000s and you should journal every day 
don't let anybody see it because that's your secret diary and it holds all of your crushes names in it i think you should embrace that part of yourself and journal because what you're going to find is that you will begin to write down habits you have fears you have dreams you have and patterns and you'll be able to literally see them like because you're writing them down um and you'll see them be like oh my god i didn't even realize that i had this ongoing fear of this thing until i wrote it down five times a week <laughs> like you'll you'll be able to access parts of yourself that are right there ready to be accessed and the only reason you don't is because you don't document them correctly um i highly suggest you do that it's going to take a while for you to get into the practice of course it's going to take a while for you to get comfortable with your journal and feel like you can actually open up to it um, a lot of times I find that when I start a new journal, it feels very much like I'm talking to Tom Riddle and I can't trust the diary yet. Um, and then I become Ginny Weasley and I get possessed, but it's okay. It is what it is. He was cute, even if he was a murdering terrorist. Um, ew, that makes him not cute. Even like 14 year old Tom Riddle, if I was also 14. How old was Ginny? She was like 11? Mm-mm. Now he's too old for her. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I am getting way off topic. This is why it gets real messy because I get... I... My thoughts are everywhere. Um, okay. So, get a journal. Start journaling. You should do it. I am gonna tell you... I. Oh my god, I should start a journal. Hey, let's do that. Let's pick a journal right now. I have all these books. Are any of these journal worthy? The problem with all my journals is that they are all half full. Like, look at this one. You can't even see it. It has a bunch of like cute stuff I had in it. I don't even know what this is from. What is this? What is this journal for? Hmm. Okay, well, anyway. Um, don't forget to look at the resources for finding professional help in the show notes, the down bar, if you're watching this on YouTube or just on my blog post. I highly suggest reading the blog post if you think you're somebody who's going to get triggered. Um, I know that you already listened to the whole thing, so it's really too late for that. But you should go read it anyway to give me views on my webpage. Um... <laughs> Oh, the last thing I want to leave you with is every single blog post I have has a journal prompt at the end of it, and so I want to start saying the journal prompt, especially since I just told you to get a journal. So this is what you should journal about today. Question, the prompt is, how can I establish a regular and safe shadow working practice? How can I journal regularly to go deeper within? What kind of routine would I want? What parts of myself do I want to work on? Journal about it. I'm telling you, you have to do it. Like, are you going to leave me hanging or what? Anyway, thanks so much for hanging out with me. I'm excited to finally publish this. I feel like this specific episode was way less messy than the last two. You don't even want to hear about the first episode. That one was literally like stream of consciousness. Don't wait for our... Yes, wait. But don't forget about part two is coming out next week. It's um, how to do shadow work. It includes a bunch of practical ways to do it in your spiritual sense. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Okay, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Hello, beautiful people. So I have my phone recording, which is why it looks very different if you're watching the YouTube video, but I just got back from Target um, because I bought a journal. I just wanted to participate in capitalism. So I bought a new journal because I said that we're gonna start journaling every day. I did it. I did the capitalism thing so I can start. This is what it looks like on the inside. If you're listening, it has a date marker at the top where you can write the date so it's not like a planner. It has a big open empty space on the top half of the journal. So no lines or anything where you can doodle or um, like mind map and then the bottom half is lined. And it only has the date on one on the left side of the page. So like when you flip the page, the back of the page does not have a date. And the pages are perforated, so I can just tear out all of my real sadness um, and then not have to look at it again.
I got this journal for $6, but it has a little gold butterfly on the, like a gold embossed butterfly on the front. And I really, that spoke to me because last year, um, in August when I started the podcast, I was seeing butterflies everywhere and not just like those little moth butterfly things that are like white and in the yellow I saw like monarchs everywhere and then those blue butterflies and then the ones that have the owl eyeballs on them like I saw butterflies everywhere and since I'm I got back from Target I have to give you the rest of my haul so I also got this shirt it is a Sailor Moon shirt Sailor Moon is my favorite character in all of all of everything it's very cute it's like tie-dye um, and then okay back to journaling and then I got these pens. I already opened them because I got real excited, but they are Papermates gel pens and I got a six pack of them and they're all different colors. I usually get one or two individual gel, like of these gel pens from Michaels. They usually get a pink and a black, but they didn't have individuals at Target. So I just got a whole, I spent way, oh, I just dropped the pink one. I spent way too, mon too much money on um, six of them, but yeah, now I have a bunch of colors. I literally just ran out of my pink one I had bought, so it was perfect timing. And these are my favorite pens ever. These pens. Um, I highly suggest them. That's it. All right. I'm going to go. I'm at my favorite coffee shop right now. I'm going to go edit this podcast. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Bye.